Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. This week, ED's Insight Editor George Ogilvie heads back to the Green Room, the place where leading sustainability professionals strip back some of the corporate armour to discuss their passions, beliefs and hobbies and how these have impacted their view of corporate sustainability and responsibility. So today, I'm welcoming onto the show James Pitcher, Director of Sustainability at Whitbread. So James, thank you very much for appearing on today's show. No problem, thanks. Um, I think the best place for us to start would be to look at your responsibility at Whitbread. So some of our listeners might be unaware, perhaps you can give a, a brief overview of uh, your role at the company, uh, a bit of the information around the CSR team uh, that surrounds you, and also um, what a typical day might look like for you if such a thing exists. Of course. Um, so Whitbread own several very well-known brands in the UK. We own the UK's um, favourite um, hotel brand, Premier Inn. We own the UK's favourite coffee shop, um, Costa Coffee. So you could say that we wake people up and we send them to sleep. That's yet to catch on with our marketing team, but it's something I like to trip out every available opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lead the sustainability programme, which is called Force of Good at a group level, which really means that I look after the sustainability programmes that are happening in Costa Coffee, Premier Inn and our restaurant brands. So a huge wide range of topics, everything from the work that we do with charities, the work that we do in local communities, the energy and environmental work we do, um, with a bit of responsible sourcing and, uh, and uh, ethical supply chain work thrown in the middle. So a typical day is really, it can be, it can be incredibly varied, but largely um, what we tend to focus on is the things that are of interest to our customers. Um, so at the moment, a typical day would look at sort of our cup recycling programme, what work we're doing on single-use plastics, what work we're doing to promote women in the business um, at Whitbread, um, other pieces of work like what we're doing within our supply chain to um, respect the human rights of those who make the products that make our businesses what they are. Um, and so that's sort of the, the, the subjects that I typically work on um, with my team. And in the department we have um, about six people working on sustainability at group level, but obviously a number of them are assigned to different brands. Um, so a key part of their work is everything we're doing from an internal, external communications perspective, telling people a story. Um, we work with NGOs and partners across some of our supply chain work that we're doing. And um, we have energy and environment teams who sit within our property functions who manage the impact of the buildings that we own. As you mentioned, uh, Director of Sustainability managing such a, a diverse portfolio. There's obviously the overarching goals, and you've got group levels um, targets that are set. I, I'm interested to know how Whitbread prioritises um, different sustainability issues around uh, across the portfolio. But how is energy and environment uh, work divided within the brands? Is it a case of looking at where you can have the biggest impact at the you know the highest risk areas um, with teams? teams work allocated on that basis? So what we do on an annual basis for the whole sustainability strategy is we make sure that, we want to make sure that our program is proactive, it's forward looking, and it's taking impact on the issues that are most of interest to our customers. So each year we conduct, um, sounds very techy, but we conduct a materiality assessment. Essentially what that's doing is, it's looking at what people are interested in, what people are talking about, what trends that we currently see in our sector, and the trends that might be coming down the line of the business in a few years' time. And what we then do is we orientate our annual programme of work 
to tackle those things and to work on those things. So that's why, for example, the um, single-use plastics agenda that Blue Planet 2 um, really sort of raised a profile of within um, certainly the, the vast majority of the UK sort of population who, who watched David Attenborough on TV means that actually this year we really needed to make sure that we were um, focusing on that as a key issue. From an energy and environmental perspective, we do tend to, we tend to focus our resources and our work on where our, um, our impact is, is largest. So our premier inn and restaurants estate consume the most um, utilities across the business from an electricity, water perspective, and Costa is comparatively quite small. So actually the team in premier inn is slightly larger. The investment that we put into the premier inn hotel estate from a, um, a capital perspective, so the money we spend on retrofitting solar panels, LED lighting and things, it has a larger budget than that in Costa, um, and that's because that's where we can make the biggest impact um, on both carbon and operating costs. Mm. And um, on that point, you know, you just I think it's just over a month ago now, Edie reported that Whitbread had pledged to halve its emissions intensity um, in the next seven years as part of this industry-leading science-based target. Um, at the time, I think you commented on the fact that um, this sustainability programme is, is part of the way that Whitbread operates. Mm. Um, you know, it helps to ensure the firm acts as a force for good. Um, I think that for me suggests that sustainability is like, deeply embedded uh, into the business at Whitbread, uh, meaning that you know, support for the alignment of the um, science-based targets has come right from the very top. So how does, how does your department work with the board on aspects like science-based targets? I mean, there'll be listeners out there who probably had difficulty in gaining uh, that level of uh, buy-in, so it'd be good to hear how you, how you and your team approach those conversations. I think, I think every corporate entity loves having a target, loves having a KPI, and um, we were delighted to meet our last carbon efficiency target a few years earlier. So we were in a position where we needed to come up with a new one quickly. And actually, when we started that conversation, um, our, um, our exec committee and um, we, we have a separate governance committee, which is led by our chief executive officer for sustainability, so we meet quarterly. And at those meetings, when we started to discuss what new targets we wanted to put into place, we quickly came to the conclusion that the most robust, relevant way of setting a target now is to actually set that science-based target, which takes account of the impact your business has um, on global climate change. And it's actually embedding what you're doing in science um, is just the most kind of credible way of, of setting a target that, that actually has some integrity. So we started from the right position where everyone was saying, fantastic, that sounds like a good approach. But then what we had to do was actually go into the brands to talk to the senior managers within Costa, Premier Inn and our restaurants businesses to say, actually, what would that look like? What would it mean? So then it really turned into, as you would run any other project, it was about coming up with a sensible investment plan, a sensible roadmap for how we'd, how we'd reach the target, making sure that we weren't committing the business to make any kind of commercially... Um, uh, sort of sensitive decisions where we're potentially saying we should invest a huge amount of money in an area that wouldn't pay back for a significantly long period of time. Mm -hmm. So really it was just then about coming up with a sensible plan. But I think what we started from was, you know, sustainability is genuinely part of how we run the business at Whitbread. It's embedded in our customer heartbeat model, which is the sort of 
the central model to how we operate the business. It's been in WordPress DNA since we were founded 275 years ago. Um, and so starting from that position is obviously going to help us to, to sort of move some of the more um, sort of groundbreaking work that we're doing in the leadership, establishing that leadership position that we have. But I think what is um, what also drives Whitbread to really focus on this is that we have the two leading brands in the UK in the hotel and coffee shop space. There's only one way that those brands can go if we don't do the right thing. And actually the number of customers that we serve each month means that we've got to be doing the right thing because they just trust us to do that as the sort of UK's favourite brands in hotels and coffee shops. Mm, mm. I think this resonates definitely with a lot of the work that we've been doing recently. Um, uh, at Edie, we recently conducted a survey of sustainability professionals for our sector insight report on sustainability within the hospitality sector. And, and when asked which organisation provided the most inspiration to drive a forward corporate responsibility, uh, many pointed towards like Whitbread, Costa, um, as those who stand out that level of ambition um, that they display around the CSR agenda. I mean, we can talk about many great initiatives that we've seen. We talked about the science-based targets. Uh, Whitbread's also powered by 100% renewable energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the firm is also the first UK hospitality chain to receive the self-supply license uh, to deliver its own water and waste water services. And, you know, Costa recently pledged to recycle 500 million coffee cups by 2020. The list goes on. Um, is there is there anything any particular achievement that you're that you're proud of in the last couple of years, or, or is it more of a holistic approach that you're I think, I think it's, um, I'd like to have a copy of that report if that's okay, that'll definitely help me with my annual appraisal. Um, so I think, I think that the, I think that holistically it is, you know, it's fantastic to be doing specific initiatives which have an amazing impact and um, to focus on some topics where you can sort of, um, I suppose, really PR some of the things you're doing. Mm. But actually I wouldn't be comfortable doing that and I've never been comfortable doing that unless that's backed by a robust programme that does everything really well. Mm. So I think that's, that's probably what I'm most proud of is, the, is that the strategy is really positioning Whitbread as a leader in all of the areas that we touch. Mm. So from a responsible sourcing programme perspective, we like to think that we lead the hospitality industry in how we apply um, our sort of ethical sourcing requirements across our supply chain and our estate. Um, an energy and environment piece, you know, the BITC have identified us as leaders in that space mm. over the last few years. So I think, I think holistically, as, at a whole programme level, that's what I'm, what I'm really proud of. But I think as well, I think the business is quite prepared to make some quite bold steps. So the 100% renewable energy decision was something that the business just, yes, that's going to cost us more money to do the right thing. There is no discernible return on that investment if you like but actually we just felt that it's the right thing for our brands to do and it's something that we can communicate really easily to our customers to show them that we're really um, we're really passionate about taking impact on climate change and some of the issues that they may be concerned about um, and most recently the the work that we've been doing to really drive change in the UK waste industry mm-hmm. um, through the recycling um, 500 million cups offsetting our impact if you like um, each year Really, what I like about that is we haven't waited for legislation, we haven't waited for policy. We spoke to the waste management industry and we said to them, what is going to drive change? And they said, well, every material that we recycle needs a value, and at the moment coffee cups lack a value. So we've established the value. Again, there is no financial sort of incentive for us doing that. That is purely us doing the right thing and investing in the areas that are most important um, to us and our customers. Um, so I think, you know, anything that's a bit sort of bold, a bit sort of new, um, is what I get really excited about because actually doing something for the first time and doing things 
in a different way to the way other people might have done them in the past is definitely sort of what gets me out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think as an extension to that previous question, I'm, I'm guessing the answer to this will be no. Do you have a favourite company out of those that Whitbread own due to their ability to tackle certain sustainability issues? <laughs> it's like trying to tell me which, which one of my children is my favourite. Well, I've only got one child, so I think that's, that's, a, that's an easier one to answer at home than at work. Um, no, I think the brands that, that we work in are so different, it's, it's completely impossible to say which one has a better programme than the other because actually what they're doing is they're working on the issues that are most important to them. So in Costa we're working on sort of you know, the packaging and the recycling agenda in a way that really impacts that brand um, in a sort of much bigger way than it would in Premier and the restaurants. In Premier and the restaurants we're working on our food offering, we're working on the work that we do to what, how we put cotton on the beds the lighting that we have in the rooms, the water efficiency measures we put in. And again, there's such different issues to Costa. Mm. So um, I will decline to answer that question and I will give the slightly kind of um, vanilla answer or bland answer of saying that uh, they're both my favourite. Oh. <laughs> they're all my favourite. They're very, very <laughs> diplomatic of you. <laughs> so um, over the course of your... I think, 15 year career now, I think. Yeah, um, yeah probably is. Um, you've, you've held roles at a range of organisations across hospitality, retail, um, public sector. And having worked at organisations such as London Underground, um, the Environment Agency, what are the differences, if there are any, between working on sustainability at a private owned organisation compared to your early years when you were working for public firms? Yeah, I think. Um I think they were, they are, they're slightly different, but um, not probably as different as, as one might think. So the, you could say that your customers are different, but actually your customers aren't different. You know, we, London Underground serves everyone in London and we serve everyone in London and, um, as, as brands. So I think that the, the only difference would come from actually within the public sector, you tend to, you might already have a, an agenda that you're working to or targets that have been set for the business and then the business go and deliver them. Within the private sector and within the businesses that I've worked at, um, so Tesco and, um, and, and Whitbread particularly, we have the ability to really shape what our strategy looks like from a sustainability perspective. Mm-hmm. At London Underground, we'd be following obviously what the Mayor's Office were interested in, what the wider Transport for London's uh, sort of objectives were, and it was our role to deliver those effectively. Whereas at Whitbread, it's sort of, you know, it's me with a piece of blank paper and a pen a lot of the time coming up with a new way of solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's probably the main difference that I've identified, but actually they're probably more similar than you think. You know, um, all the teams I work with at, at every organisation have been brilliant um, and, and, you know, fantastic professionals everywhere I've worked. Um, London Underground is a fascinating place to, to work. It's such an institution that, that we have in the UK and it was um, an, amazing, an amazing experience. Um, but they're probably a bit more similar than a lot of people would think when you're actually doing the work. And um, during that time, what are, the, what are the key skills that you've developed um, that have helped you to get where you are today? And I suppose what key bit of advice would you give uh, or share with your younger self? So I think um, one thing, I think the key skill that has been really important and I suppose at Whitbread we're fortunate that this is embedded in how we do the business and actually you know we don't have any senior managers within the business who don't think sustainability is important um, because they probably wouldn't work for Whitbread if that was the case. Um, So I think I'm fortunate from that perspective in terms of getting things over the line and running new projects. 
but actually the ability to influence at that senior level and um, going in and sort of being able to link what we do from sustainability, what's the right thing to do perspective with the commercial aims of the business is a really key skill that I've certainly been working hard on over the last um, 15 years. So I think, but I think what I'd do is I'd almost, I'd encourage my younger self to be, to be confident actually, if you are going into those um, sort of forums and you do have the ability of linking the commercial benefit of doing great things with sustainability, then actually majoring on that and focusing on that and then when you leave the room being confident that actually that will mean that the business does the right thing or has a great environmental impact as well is sort of a really important um, skill to develop as quickly as possible because that will often help achieve the aims of whatever you want to get over the line. Mm. Mm. And of course this isn't your first time on Edie's podcast, um, you're actually on about two years ago now mm. I think, um, discussing the same issue, skills, and at the time you provided us with your top tips on communicating CSR initiatives with both internal and external stakeholders. Um, I had a little listen back to that and some of the skills that you mentioned were communicating simply, looking at the trends over the horizon, um, having the bit ability to think strategically and uh, translate that into a vision, uh, managing people and holding people to account, and an interesting was hiring people that are better than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the two years since that chat, has anything changed in that time? Um, what skills are becoming more important as a global sustainability agenda grows? So I think, um, I think they're all still really relevant, um, especially the bit about hiring people that are better than you. It often <laughs> helps you to deliver some great things as a team. Um, the, the one area that I think is, um, that's getting more and more important for sustainability professionals is being aware of what the public are interested in, particularly when you're working for consumer-facing brands like Whitbread. Mm. So we really need to make sure that we are tapping into what the uh, general public or the consumers um, globally and in the UK are interested in. What are the issues they want to see brands taking action on? A lot of consumers will rely on big brands to do the right thing. And actually we still know at this stage that, although I think it's shifting slightly, we know that people are unlikely to choose one brand over another brand because of their sustainability credentials. They're probably looking for some different things when they're going on their shopping mission or they're choosing which hotel to stay in or which coffee to buy. But actually we know that consumers today are really quick to boycott brands who have seen to do the wrong thing or have seen to get it wrong. And actually that's something that I would say is, is sort of of real importance at the moment and it's something that any, um, any board that represents a consumer facing business will be acutely interested in. So if you can weave in that sort of what consumers are interested in, who, who actually um, shop in your brands or stay with your brands or drink coffee from your brands with your sustainability programme, then that's just a win-win situation because they're going to say yes to doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about kind of your personal life, your early life, um, how you got where you are today. So, uh, interested to know at what age was it that you developed a passion for sustainability or was it was it something that was always innate um so i've always um loved i grew up in the countryside grew up in a small village in um in hertfordshire i've always loved um sort of the uk landscape and countryside i still do today still like getting out walking cycling on my bike 
um, going on walking holidays and, and that's something I've always been interested in. And so my first sort of passion at school was, was geography as a subject, I love geography. But I was a bit worried that if I went to university and did geography I'd be a, come out as a teacher. I think that was the sort of the most common profession when I was going to university that, that uh, geography graduates came out with. And actually um, when I was applying for university um, and degree courses um, I was um, made aware that the University of Birmingham were running a new programme they hadn't run before, which was the Environmental Science and Management programme. Um, and that was really kind of where I started to see that there could be a clear career doing something that I enjoyed mm. after I'd sort of left university. Um, and that sort of, it felt very vocational. I did a year working with the Environment Agency, as you've mentioned, in, in Shropshire. Um, and so that really sort of gave me... Um, it really just showed me that actually I could take my love for the British countryside and the environment and actually apply that as a job. And that was, that was, that was a really kind of um, a great moment when I realised that and something that I've chased ever since. And um, like today, I mean, I often find it can be difficult to practice what we preach when it comes to sustainability, that despite trying to cycle to work, you mentioned you like to cycle mm -hmm. as well, often guilty of throwing away food or not recycling as much as we do. I mean, do you, do you find that on the whole you live your personal life in a sustainable manner? Uh, do you wield a yeah. coffee cup? Yes, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's, that, that absolutely has to happen. That is um, that sort of... That's a non-negotiable in the business now. We've, we've got a uh, cup-free head office, so we, we, everyone in, in, in head office uses reusable cups. and It's obviously something we're, we're trying to push through the cost of brand as much as possible. Um, so yes, I, um, uh, I don't sort of, I'm not always going to try and pretend that I get it right. I don't live in a single plastic-free household and things. It's incredibly difficult when you have a baby to start with. Um, but yes, I, uh, you know, I've been going up to Scotland recently for meetings and I prefer to take the train and take short-haul flights. Um, I buy renewable energy for, for, my, for my house at home. That's a decision that I've decided to make um, because I believe it's the right thing to do. Um, and actually my wife and I are really kind of acutely aware of the disposable culture that we, that we have in the UK with having the baby and, you know, started. We haven't quite got to washing our own nappies yet just because I don't think that we have enough time to do that. But we are sort of really, um, really sort of keen to make sure that we bring up our daughter in a sustainable way as possible, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I try to try to practice what I preach at home. I wouldn't say, wouldn't try and pretend I get it right all of the time, but, uh, but yeah, certainly do um, believe in it as, as at work and at home. Mm. And uh, away from, you know, work and the sustainability, what do you do to, you know, to escape and get away from it? Or was there any particular hobbies that allow you to, to switch off from, from work mode? Yeah, so um, I've, um, I've got an allotment. Um, which I suppose is a way of trying to trying to live a sustainable lifestyle. Which I I love just um, doing that wonderful thing, which um, uh, which is sort of quite a UK habit of pottering, basically. Which uh, my wife would uh, would claim just means that I'm avoiding doing stuff at home. But actually, um, so I love spending time on allotment. It's it's a very calming place to be. It's quite close to a pub. Um, so you know, it's it's a really nice nice place to be to be outside as much as possible. I like walking, cycling. Um, Cooking is a real passion of mine. That's sort of how I switch off at the end of the day. I find that very kind of good for the soul. Is just sort of to put some food together um, and then to eat that with family and friends. So pretty much that's sort of what, what I like to do outside of work. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, I think just to just to cap this off, uh, I want to talk about you know future plans uh, with Red um, in the energy and environment sphere. Um, 
you, you spoke recently of Whitbread's commitment to constantly challenging itself to find new ways of becoming more environmentally sustainable. So how can we expect to see this take shape in the future? So um, I suppose there are a few areas that we're looking at that are linked to um, both current trends but also um, the work that we'll need to do to meet the science-based commitments that we've made. So we have a 100% renewable electricity commitment. We know that in the long term we're going to have to start thinking about our gas consumption across the, across the hotel estate. Um, so trying to um, electrify as much as possible, looking for more efficient appliances, um, potentially reviewing um, in the longer term whether green gas is something that we could, we could buy as an organisation in a similar way to, to what we've done with electricity. And then one of the areas that we're also starting to look at is, um, uh, you know, and we don't have any commitments yet, and we, we sort of don't, we don't quite know what the programme for this will look like yet, but there's electric vehicle charging. You know, I think when you go to a hotel in 20 years' time, having the ability to charge your car will be as important as having good Wi-Fi mm. within, uh, you know, hotels today. So we're starting to have a think about, as the UK becomes more electrified, how that will impact our business how it will impact the offer that we can give to our guests, how we can make sure that we're using battery storage technology um, and all those sort of new technologies, the new innovative solutions that are coming into the marketplace now in a new way. Um, so we're just starting to look at those things and work on those things as a team. They're not sort of immediate priorities. We don't have programmes of work and investments in those areas yet. But I suppose if I'm looking forward a few years down the line, there's some of the things that we would start to be looking at. We look forward to seeing it. Well, brilliant. Thank you very much, this James. It's been a fascinating chat. It's left me rejuvenated, both regards to sustainability and allotment. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that the listeners will feel the same. Um, so, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, just a reminder that these podcasts can be listened to via the ED website or by searching Sustainable Business Covered on iTunes. But until next time, goodbye.